I think the biggest mistakes all photographers make is not looking at enough work. They're not visually literate. And they need to be visually literate in whatever style they choose to be. Yeah, I think the old cliche is like, go take 10,000 photos and then you'll have one good one. But I think you have to look at 10,000 photos and then you'll be literate enough in, in your craft to know what a good photo looks like. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host Dave Mays here at Polar Pro. Today's guest is Skylar Burt, an award-winning food and beverage photographer based in Los Angeles, California. He's traveled the globe for over 12 years shooting, directing, and editing different projects for world-class clients such as Sunset Magazine, Southern Living, Forbes Traveler, Lonely Planet, Time Out, Hallmark, and several different resorts and cookbooks as well. Skylar is actually the first food and beverage photographer that we've ever had on this podcast. So it was an honor to hear his story and learn more about this incredible niche that is product photography in the food and beverage space. But before we get to the interview, make sure to subscribe to the podcast in your podcast player of choice. It really makes a difference for the growth of the show. So if you're not subscribed yet, please hit that subscribe button. All right, here we go. Let's listen in on my interview with Skylar. We got Skylar Burt. We eat together in today at the Golden Hour Podcast. Thanks for coming in, Sky. Yeah, hey, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a great town. Um, I've never been here before. So Costa Mesa. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Oregon, uh, from a town called Boring. It's a very <laughs> exciting place. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I feel like I've heard of uh, of it. Because of the name, yeah, maybe we ha um, we're sister cities with a, a town in Ireland called Dole, and so you can get a T-shirt <laughs> called Dole and Boring. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's um, the gateway to Mount Hood up there. Yeah, and then Elon Musk now has the Boring Company. He so, does. Yeah, he's. Uh, we'll have to sue him or something. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like growing up boring? I mean, in boring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was very boring. Uh, there's lots of farms. There's a. Uh, there's not a lot. There's like one stop sign. There's a boring yeah. middle school, so I went to boring middle school. <laughs> Yeah, no joke yeah um yeah and then i, I probably came, got old i'm yeah, sure yeah um then i came down to california uh for college and i kind of nice. uh loosely stayed here what college then. uh brooks institute of photography okay yeah. cool it's no longer there but, but you went to photography school so i did were you developing film and all that kind of thing uh um, digital happening as well at the same time? yeah we were still working with film we weren't developing it we were shooting slide film yeah. um but we, because uh, I was in the visual journalism department, nice. so there's not a lot of time to develop your own film in, in mm -hmm. journalism. So we were using a slide film, and then we're having it developed, and then scanning it in, and it was taking like three or four hours to scan in a roll of film wow. on these old like Nick scanners, yeah. you know, back in the day. And uh, and then digital took over probably my junior year of college, uh -huh. and so we switched to um, to digital after that. I got a I don't know, like EOS 20D or something. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good old Canon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Five megapixels or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it was back then, yeah. man. The megapixel count was nothing. I remember, uh, I mean, I wasn't into photography, but I was, you know, doing video and my parents were collecting cameras. And my dad was into it. He's like, this camera has four megapixels. <laughs> and then the next year it go by, oh, I got to upgrade. This one came out. It's five megapixels. Mm. There was like there was this period of time where the camera innovation was like slowly getting better and better. I remember when we hit eight megapixels, my dad was like, "Dude, we 
I don't need to buy anything else ever again. Eight megapixels is the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, and it was <laughs> for the longest time. Um, I remember shooting when I got out of college. Actually, when I was still in college, I started shooting stock photography because mm-hmm. it seemed like uh, it would it would help my travels. I really wanted to travel, and uh, it did. Uh, and eight megapixels was the cutoff for uh, I don't all the way into the 2010s it seemed yeah. like almost yeah so i mean now our phones do 12 on yeah. by default i know that's um, yeah i which think the 20d was 10 10 megapixels or something yeah yes, and the now it's better i mean gosh yeah. these cameras are coming out that are like 50 60 megapixels yeah i have one so, <laughs> do you shoot on the yeah, a7 III? no i shoot on the us uh, 5ds oh sweet yeah, yeah. so it's I a bet good you're gonna be happy camera. when uh, you're gonna be happy when they finally do a mirrorless of that huh that would be amazing yeah <laughs> now the canon uh, mirrorless camera that they came out the the r it yeah. looks nice i haven't switched Good over for video to it. Yeah. yeah i've been i've been yeah. using it for my my videos and uh i'm a fan of it uh yeah. it's a very boring camera it only does one thing really well but that one thing happens to be the thing that you need if you're not familiar with skylar i highly encourage you guys to check him out on instagram youtube uh and his website um it's just we eat together skylar burt um and really incredible stuff if you've seen uh, an ad, if you've seen uh, you know a commercial for a food product that looks good, maybe Skylar did it. Um, if you just look through his work, it's really kind of incredible. The brands that you've worked with, the quality of the things that you're doing, um, like this takes Tasty to the next level. Oh, cheers. Uh, <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Although I don't know if you know any of those people that are involved in Tasty. I'm sure they're good people. Um, we could talk about that. I mean, I don't know any of them specifically, but I've worked in... Uh, in facilities like that and mm. it's really interesting actually mm-hmm. to work in a place like that like a corporation that is designed to create instagram content <laughs> well most of the food photography the food photography that you see on a, a day-to-day basis is um is produced in like two places in america really um and it, one is Time Inc. and one is Meredith, mm-hmm. uh, the Meredith Corporation. And they, you go to like the supermarket and you look at the magazine rack. You're, you're looking, even though there's 20 magazines on the rack and 20 food magazines, they're all owned by those two companies. Really? And so you go to you can go to their studios and they're, they're really quite amazing. Um, they'll have like 23 kitchens and 11 photography studios back to back, and it's just pumping out food photography and content for the world. Wow. You know, like tasty. Yeah. That's incredible. I uh, I had no idea that it was like a monopoly like that almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like uh, Southern Living, Sunset, um, all that is owned by uh, Time Inc. And, and so they all are produced out of a studio in Alabama, actually. Yeah. Alabama? Yeah. Birmingham. Weird. Yeah. And it's really kind of a cool facility. Sure yeah, it, it used is. to be in New York, but they moved to... Um, they it's moved cheaper. to one lo- location. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, giant building, and it's really cool people there. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was just a really fun thing to see. You kind of look down the hallway, and it's just a line of kitchens on one side, and a line of photography studios with some amazing photographers on the wow. on the other. Yeah. Do, have you? So I mean, I feel like we're jumping around because it's so fascinating. This whole world of um, food, beverage, photography uh, is completely different and you're actually our first guest to to talk about that specifically oh cool so just give me the kind of the lowdown on how you discovered this niche in the photography world because you you went to school for photography yes yeah did well you have the intention to do this when you were no. in school um i kind of had an inkling i i got really into beverage making mm-hmm. and i was like 
uh, doing photography at the same time in, in college. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if I could just take pictures of the beverages and you know maybe use it for stock or something like that? Because it would be really easy to create images and I wouldn't have to you know spend $1,000 on a plane trip to go see someplace cool. I could just do it from my home. Yeah. But I was studying visual journalism when I went to college. And so there was this inherent um, money, like cost to create your art, you know, to go, you know, pay for that plane ticket, go see someplace cool, you know, f- think of a story and go photograph it. Yeah. There was a lot of cost, upfront cost that goes into creating a cool uh, journalistic story. Um, so I was kind of thinking of ways to, to do my art and and I was never rich, so I can really afford all that, you know, upfront cost. Yeah. You know, but I still wanted to do my art. So um, after graduation, I decided to travel around and teach. Um, and this was like during the economic crash and everything like that. So I went to uh, South Korea for two and a half years and I taught English there. Uh, and then I worked with some local magazines there um, to create content for like the tourism uh, boards. And then um, I made my way through... Uh, Asia and finally, finally wound up in the the Sultanate of Oman, which is actually in the news. The the Sultan just died recent, like a couple oh, wow. days ago. So, yeah. Um, so I lived there for about eight years, and I taught at a university uh, photography, mm-hmm. and at the at the, one of the universities in Muscat there, and um, and that really kind of inspired me to. Uh, continue with the travel photography and continue with kind of the journalism and, and doing photo stories, but more centered around food because that was my original passion, food and beverage. And I had this platform I could teach my course. I was teaching studio photography and I could teach it in whatever I wanted. And so I, I said to myself, well, one of the best ways to learn lighting, no matter what you're doing, you're doing portraiture, or you want to do weddings or you want to do food or studio product work, a good place to start is kind of with food because you don't have to spend a lot of money on models. You don't have to, there's not a lot of upfront cost to create your art and you're learning the basics of lighting. You're, you're learning side lighting. You're learning how to use natural light and, and studio strobes and stuff. And so I kind of taught studio photography through food photography mm-hmm. uh, as a course. And then as the years progressed and I got better at teaching that course, um, I decided why don't I take this online and teach my students there, um, not just in the classroom, but add an online component to it. So I started making videos and stuff like that. And then I, I said, why not turn it into an actual course? And maybe I'll be able to use that to transition back into America. And wow. so that's what I did. And and then I got to YouTube late. I got to Instagram way late. Um, I kind of rejected the the notion of the of having to create content just to feed those two machines those sure. those two monsters um i wanted to to kind of be more free so i kind of rejected instagram for a very long time youtube i loved and i love to be able to post the videos and i love the community there especially the photography community is amazing there. yeah it is um and and then i got into instagram and i started to meet people on instagram so it gave me a reason to post uh, to Instagram and that was sure. really fun. So. It's a good. I mean, you're you're taking so many photos for work, so yeah. might as well use them on your Instagram. It, it, you know, you're not actually. Are you actually intentionally shooting for Instagram? Sometimes, or sometimes. Well, sometimes I'm just shooting for myself. Gotcha. I mean, doing test images in the studio and stuff. Yeah. Things that I'm trying out and it's fun, and so I shared that on Instagram. I'm not really a. I don't really share my life on Instagram. I don't take yeah. a lot of selfies. 
Um, <laughs> I should though. I mean, I, I should because I think people are interested in that, mm-hmm. and um, I really wanted to build a community. And so yeah. sharing, you know, sharing my story, my personal story. Well, that's is the part beauty of, that. of the uh, the stories, right? Mm-hmm. That, that Instagram stole from Snapchat is uh, <laughs> your uh, your portfolio, your your profile can can have all your beautiful work, and then your stories can just be rough and behind the scenes kind of stuff. Um, when my friends, uh, drew Chanelli, who was on this podcast, drew photo, um, his Instagram is first image is like a portrait or a photo that he took. Second one is maybe an all, uh, you know, an alternate version of that same image. And then the next one is like a BTS of just taken on an iPhone of him taking a picture. And, um, he has basically gathered a large following of just photographers, you know? Um, so maybe that's a way to implement you know? Yeah, I've started taking more behind the scenes now of my setups. Yeah, and I think people love that. Um, oh yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the last couple images on your account. You got your Fuji on a gimbal. You've got <laughs> yeah. uh, the Edelkrone yeah. setup uh, with the motion control rig. Yeah, very cool, very fun. So tell me about like the moment where you just started falling in love with this this niche, the photography uh, of food and beverage. Um, you mean like uh, the first time? So yeah, I I mean, you did your courses, you came back to America, like what happened? How did you start doing all this amazing work? Um, with brands? Yeah. Um, well, I've always worked with brands. So when I was in the Middle East, I worked with a lot of ad agencies. So as a, I wasn't just a teacher, I was like 50% a teacher and I spent 50% of my time working with ad agencies. Best type of teacher to have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> a it, practitioner. Truly, it truly is because you want a teacher who has, um, kind of a foot in the industry because when you graduate, they're the person that you're going to go to first to help mm-hmm. find a job. And that's, was part of my job as a teacher. We had a huge, uh, kind of after graduation program where the, the students would come to us and we would use our contracts in the local industry to position them mm-hmm. in, in specific spots. And so keeping those industry ties was really important. And so I would do a lot of advertisement work for like the, gotcha. minist- the Ministry of Tourism there and, and yeah. for various companies, um, doing not really doing food and beverage, but working um, more on the tourism side and doing mm-hmm. portraitures and stuff. And I think the story I'm trying to, to get is yeah. like, what was there a moment for you as a photographer where you're like, I don't really enjoy photographing uh, human subjects as much as food and beverage. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously, when you look through your Instagram, it's all food yeah, and beverage. All, There's yeah. no, I don't see any models. I don't see any no. portraiture of, of humans other than. Oh, a you page. gotta scroll down further. Yeah, better. I do. See, I do see some now. Uh, yeah, it looks like the, the Middle East. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I kind of always was very nervous photographing people, and that was one of the biggest hindrance as why I didn't actually uh, do journalism uh, because it I couldn't move people like I can move food you know there's like a <laughs> there's a, a personal barrier there and You're right and I'm I'm very controlling about what I want the, the the image to look like so my vision is is if if I can't meet my vision I really really uh, get annoyed and so with my journalism I would stay in some sometimes I would stay in one spot for three hours trying to get the perfect person to walk through the frame wow. at the perfect time and it was it was very emotionally uh, difficult to create those images and 
and do a lot of that work. You're like a fisherman. Yeah, yeah, kind of like, yeah, that's exactly how it would be. And you would, like, pray to photography gods and go, please, you know, have the perfect, you know, person wearing the perfect color walking through, you know, this yeah. frame at the same time. And, and I did a lot of street photography, and that was uh, a big passion of mine because when you achieve that photo, you feel like euphoria, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it wasn't really economically feasible, so I... And I never really had a passion for people. Mm -hmm. I, do, I do have a passion for culture. <laughs> yeah. And I think food is You're a people big... Per I mean, you enjoy people. Yeah, I enjoy Wait, people. Let's but, just put that out there. Yeah, yeah, but photographing people, it's like going yeah. to the dentist. They don't want to be there. The dentist doesn't <laughs> want to be there, you know. And so, <laughs> so um, you know, yeah, and I, I didn't... I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable, and, and I don't want to be a burden to create my art. Um, so... I like photographing culture, and I f I'm very fascinated. I've always been fascinated, like with the story of food, and kind of looking at the what we eat and what we drink as a lens of our culture. You know, that represents our culture, and maybe you can go back into history too. You can make an old recipe, and that's like kind of in a history book. You know, yeah. it's like going back and eating what people ate a hundred years ago. I find that's that amazing. incredibly fascinating, and I'm actually going to start a, a whole project on that and hopefully post it to the blog or um, maybe on youtube you know diving into like spam like where that came from or yeah, or cool. even like the gelatin stuff of the early 1900s i find that you know really fascinating so um <laughs> when i'm weird but um anyways i think that was i don't think there was ever a transition i think it kind of was always there mm -hmm. and it was more of me just accepting you know what i like as a photographer versus what yeah. was expected as a photographer and i think you get kind of Whenever, whenever I say I'm a photographer uh, to people, people go, "Oh yeah, you, so you photograph weddings, or you photo, you know, that's the general image sure. of a photographer is you right. photograph people." If and, you're in LA, you take pictures of Instagram models. Sure, <laughs> yeah. So I always have to go. Now I'm a food and beverage photographer, and they go, "What's that?" And then I have to go down this long rabbit hole. But um, so what is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so f you know, f exactly for me, it's it's. It's just photographing some stuff that you love and, and hopefully trying to get paid for it. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much what every photographer tries to do. And <laughs> totally. I just love food and beverage and, and not so much uh, the people side. I, I love sure. landscape. I think I love people and I think that people are beautiful. Uh, landscape is beautiful. Culture is beautiful. But of course, for me, it's the food. As and a beverage. photographer, yeah. you get most enjoyment from food and beverage. Y yeah. I mean, yeah. if but if I'm out in a beautiful place, I'm going to snap a picture. Sure. I just won't be very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's for your documentation purposes. Yeah, sure. Memories. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, you've been doing this now for your website says 12 years. Is that right? Or is it longer now? Yeah, it's been probably longer. Um, yeah. Since about 2007. So, I mean, some of your clients include Sunset Magazine, Southern Living, Forbes yeah. Travel, Lonely Planet, The National, Time Out, Hallmark, yeah. um, different resorts. Um, you've done everything. <laughs> Worked with all sorts of different brands all over the world. Yeah. Um, what, are, what are your interactions like with these brands? How do you communicate to them? Uh, you know, a lot of people who are listening to this would love to be doing what you're doing. I mean, how do you, how do you work with these brands that are so big and so, you know, massive? Well, you have to, you have to create a portfolio first. You have to show people yeah. that you're interested in what they want. Um, mm -hmm. And like, for example, like working with resorts, uh, yeah. I got a lot of uh, friends who are chefs who work at those resorts 
and their their only reason they're friends is because they saw my work and they go oh wow you're you're interested in what i'm interested in which is cooking you know yeah um if you wanted to be a rock climbing photographer i'm sure you'd go you know climb some rocks and, and meet the rock climbing community um and i would say that's probably one of the the first things that that I did was I, I sat down and made a portfolio of images yeah. that I was proud of at the moment. The, none of, you can't see any of them right now because they're all horrible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you start off with that first, you build your portfolio. And sure. then you just go out and, and hit the pavement and start meeting people. You go send cold call emails or cold emails to people and say, I'm, I'm the new guy in town. I have this portfolio. Check it yeah. out. And you just you cast a wide net and hopefully – you get a few of those people calling you back. Um, and yeah, you get rejected a lot. And, so yeah. do you cook? I try to. It's a question that you get all the yeah, time. Yeah, sure. I, I try to. I'm not the best. Uh, there's, especially now that with Instagram, there's mm-hmm. a ton of amazing cooks. And with the, the bar to photography being the entry bar, you know, being so easy to get into the, to, to become competent of a mm-hmm. photographer is so much easier than it was when I first started. Yeah. Um, that you're seeing a lot of amazing pictures with a lot of amazing cooking now. Mm. Um, and I think that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of competition out there. But it also means that, um, you know, there's a bigger community. There's more people to reach out to and collaborate with, which mm-hmm. I think is fantastic. And I'll, and you'll notice that a lot of, uh, not everyone is vying for the same path or to the same jobs mm-hmm. as you might think. You know, I have a lot of friends who are amazing food photographers, but they're not uh, trying to compete with me with in the same you know, type of jobs that I'm I'm looking for. They're yeah. they're more focused on working individually with brands, where I'm more focused on working uh, probably in the advertisement sec- sector of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with agencies who are representing the brands mm-hmm. versus working with the brands. So, so. A lot of your work ends up in uh, magazines, on uh, websites, yeah, menus. So, um, not really menus. Okay. Uh, I haven't worked with any restaurant that puts food on a menu. Okay. Um, like if I work for a resort, most of the time when you work for a resort like a Shangri La or a Ritz Carlton or something like that, they're looking for photography to send out to uh, their clients in a mailing list or mm. to put on their website, uh, they're never going to put it on a menu. Okay. Uh, so that's but, why, yeah, yeah, when when you look at your images, they are beautiful. Like it's it's photography first. It's not necessarily, I mean, the food is first, obviously, but the art is is in the image. And the the art that I'm seeing in your images, you would typically not necessarily see on a menu because it's yeah, so no. yeah. detailed and you've got great composition. Whereas a menu, you just want the pure... You want it to be delicious looking, but like on a white background. <laughs> yeah, I would say with f- food photography, just like any other photography, there's kind of different genres of food photography. You, you have your like menu photography, uh, like Chili's or TGI Fridays type stuff. Yeah. And that's a, a completely separate skill set than, say, what I do, Yeah, which is more uh, advertisement based. Mm-hmm. Or editorial base, something that you would see in a magazine or that you would see in an advertisement um, uh, in a magazine or a, yeah. a, a billboard or on the web. Um, and then you have kind of 
within that you have like liquid food photography like splash mm-hmm. photography or with like the the liquid coming out of the bottle and splashing into the glass with the robot yeah with the robot you have that yeah. that's another genre you have like this slow motion robotic uh food photography and videography for mm-hmm. advertisements that the strawberry dipping in the chocolate and slow yeah <laughs> and there's like one guy in america and he owns that robot and he is like the master of that and, yeah yeah and so there's definitely a lot of not a lot i'd say five to maybe five to ten very specific niches within the niche of food photography that you can highly specialize and become highly sought after if you're you know really capable of doing that kind of photography the thing that sets your work apart in my opinion and what i'm seeing in your images is they all evoke some sort of emotion and that's the beautiful thing about food oh thanks is like some of these images like it just reminds me of a time where I was with my grandma, oh, you know, and that's, that's like the best compliment ever. <laughs> yeah. Is that um, something you're seeking after yes. you're trying to evoke an emotion through yes. your images? Um, I, I grew up in the South. So when I see, uh, you know, recycled wood, uh, especially <laughs> it like pulls out that kind of country living that yeah. I grew up with, like the cracker barrel kind me of too. aesthetic. Yeah. Um, me too. In boring Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you been to Cracker Barrel before? Yeah, I have. <laughs> so you know what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, I I always want to have a story in my image, and that's what I strive for. I don't often achieve it, um, but I, I strive for that, and it's probably because of my journalism background. I want to my, – my biggest um, – the biggest thing I want to strive for is to give the viewer a sense – that there is a world outside of this frame, that it wasn't just shot in a studio, yeah. that there's there's light coming from somewhere instead of just from a studio light, or or that you know the borders of the frame extend past the frame, and so it gives the viewer a sense that there's more to this. They can imagine it's in a room or in a kitchen or yeah. you know, and that that is what I'm striving for with my propping or the styling and the compositions that I make. I'll oftentimes uh, let props bleed off the frame or food bleed off the frame to give the viewer. There's Mm. that sense that some something's happening outside of that little rectangle box that they're seeing right now. And I also love the idea that food photography, in my opinion, should be as if the photographer just happened to stumble upon this beautiful table yeah, And so when you're styling, I mean, you're starting with an empty table, right? You're yeah. kind of creating this universe, you know, from a blank slate, you know, you're painting, you know, from a blank slate and totally. you're starting with an empty table and you're going to have to say, how do I make this blank table become real, mm-hmm. you know, and, and look realistic and not look staged, not look set up mm-hmm. and contrived. I, I think it, it's very tough because you're, you're walking this fine line of, having your photography look cliche uh for like over over rustic sure or over styled and over messy uh and so you're always walking this fine line of is is this a, the appropriate amount of organized chaos or is it <laughs> like you know gone into the realms of contrived and and just cliche which you see a lot of on instagram and, sure yeah. How do website, you yeah. how do you know that it? Do you just you, feel you it? don't? Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a feeling. Um, you don't really know it until you've you've taken the picture. You kind of what I like to do is I like to work in stages. So I start with the empty table, 
And then I add a prop. I'll take a picture. I'll move the prop. I'll take a picture. And every, with every movement of prop or food on the table, I take a picture and I just build the photograph like that until I come to a stopping point and go, okay, that's enough. I think mm -hmm. I got the image, you know, and after like the 200th picture you take, which is great because you can turn it into a really cool time lapse afterwards. That's true. But um, if you do it <laughs> and you, you do it like religiously. Um, but then I turn it up to 11. So after I got that image, I go, okay, let's turn it up to 11 and let's try something crazy. And that may be like throwing more ingredients onto the table or maybe, you know, putting a fork into the, the pie or into the cake. Mm -hmm. uh, it might be... Uh, sprinkling something or pouring something that would completely ruin the entire dish. Yeah. And so you got to make sure you have that perfect image, but then you can turn it up to 11 and, you know, go crazy with it. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't and it looks horrible. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> but at least you did it. At least you did it. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't know until you actually do it, you know, so. Every, is everything locked down? Do you Do you kind of find the composition that you want and you just stay there? as you're doing those 200 images? Yeah, so I get kind of, I get a lot of grief for this because I'm a tripod like user religiously. And I, a lot of people like to shoot free, just roam around the table. They like to style and then roam around the table. But for me, that that changes uh, with every, like every change of the camera angle that changes the lighting, that changes yeah. the entire story. And so my stories are very set up. They're built stories. Yeah. Um, uh, and then that's just, I guess, personal preference. You know, some sure. people like to work differently. Um, I'm very kind of stringent on, on my setup. Mm -hmm. And um, so I get a lot of comments like, oh, that's not free. You can't be creative and stuff like that. But I personally like to style to the frame. Mm -hmm. So I'll set my frame up. I'll, I'll pick a frame depending on, or a camera angle, depending on the type of food. Some food looks good you know, from in front and some looks magical from above. Like uh, a stack of waffles or a stack of pancakes looks great from the front because sure. you can see the stack. <laughs> yeah, you can see the height of the food. And, and with foods that, you know, the height is important to the story, then, yeah, a camera angle from the front would be um, but the a, best. But, but a pie do. from the top looks good because yeah. it's a flat product. And you can dive into it and you can see the insides. And that's that's really cool too. So I'll pick the camera angle first and then I'll build everything from there. I'll style the entire image to that that mm -hmm. frame i'm constantly referencing the frame so i'm going back and forth mm -hmm. i'm not styling just from my eyeball uh, i'm using the, the actual frame to to see where my edges are and where props are on the table and light see how light is reacting to props and stuff yeah. like that you know what's amazing is as you say all this i kind of realized that you're the closest to a painter of a photographer that I've ever oh, interviewed. <laughs> yeah, because cheers. basically the frame that you choose is your canvas. Yeah. And as you're adding color, as you're adding light, that's like a splash of paint. And uh, you're literally painting uh, as a photographer. That's how I got into photography, actually. I, I wanted to do landscape paintings mm. um, back when landscape paintings were completely out of fashion. <laughs> and... And so I then I decided to go out and take pictures so I could paint them. And I, when I got back, you know, from my travels, people said I should go to photography school um, because they saw the pictures and go, "Oh, that's that's really cool. You have kind of you know a talent for this. You should go and study." And so that's that's what led me into you know wow. diving into photography school. Do you still paint? No, 
<laughs> no, like a, one of my biggest inspirations in life is Bob Ross. Do you know Bob? Of course, the yeah. Afro guy, right? Of course, yeah. And it, th- he got me into education. Mm-hmm. Uh, he with sharing like my craft with you know with a passion and just loving to share what you do with other people. Yeah. And teach other people, and he and he got me into He's repeatable. Yeah, and repeatable, and he got me into you know art. Really, he got me into painting, and as from a young kid, I. Uh, do you have some Bob Ross paintings that you actually followed along and did? And- uh, I did when I was a kid, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and uh, you can see in my YouTube videos, you can see Bob. Um, I have a little bobblehead of Bob. Oh, that's in my, amazing. <laughs> <in> my, <laughs> I, use, I use the bobblehead as a focus uh, guide. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you need something to focus on. Absolutely. So you, yeah, you if, place it in the frame and then you focus on it. Absolutely. Just, I mean, yeah. let's talk about that. You, you're a yeah. YouTuber also. Sure. Over 160,000 subs. <laughs> Uh, so you have that plaque, I assume. Did you get the I plaque? I did. Nice. Yeah. It's um, like the biggest thing in my studio. <laughs> Ta-da! Yeah. So I've tell me about your journey on YouTube. You've your oldest video is six years old. Yeah, don't watch it. But in terms, <laughs> but in terms of uh, consistency, it looks like about three years ago you, you kind yeah. of started, and then this last year, especially, is the majority yeah. of your videos. That's correct. Yeah, I the the first video I ever did. Um, wasn't actually a food photography video. It was, I, I was testing out Vimeo <laughs> and using like doing like time lapse stuff because I was I'm really into time lapse photography. Nice. So I was doing a lot of time lapse nature stuff, and I did a time lapse video and I posted it on Vimeo. But Vimeo, there was I, I was getting I, I got a lot of views. I got like one of those um, Vimeo award or whatever those yeah, editor, staff pick. Edit, yeah staff pick things yeah, and. Um, and so I put it on YouTube because there was nothing on YouTube then except for yeah uh, funny videos. Yeah. And <laughs> so I don't want to say cat videos, but yeah. Um, and so I put it on YouTube and it didn't do well at all, um, but it did much better on Vimeo. So yeah. I guess it's just, you know, different people. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I was on Vimeo as well. And I, just like you thought, you know, uh, YouTube is just for viral videos, yeah. you know. I'm a filmmaker. I'm going to be on Vimeo. I wish I started, though, doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing people like uh, Indie Mogul and Film Riot and Andrew Kramer and all the kind of filmmaker YouTubers. Sure. uh, Corridor Digital, Freddie Wong, all those people. And I was like, no, that's interesting. I'm not interested in that. I want to do like traditional short films and documentaries and all that kind of stuff. And so I stayed on Vimeo. And I also got a staff pick on one of my videos. And that really helped my career i actually was able to use that as kind of a calling card oh really to get freelance uh video jobs and stuff that's that's amazing so it was worth it at the time that was like you know seven years ago six years ago yeah that was yeah back when the dslr kind of revolution happened for video people 5d yeah exactly i had a 7d but yeah the original 7d yeah uh because it did 24 frames per second before the 5d did and it was super 35 so it was more traditional but it was also cheaper that's the main reason i had it but Anyways, well, um, so I, 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 I got onto YouTube with, I, I said, you know what, let me create a tutorial because I saw a lot of tutorials on YouTube and I was like, I can do this too. Cause I'm a teacher. Yeah. Obviously I can do that. <laughs> I yeah. hoped that I could do that. I'm assuming and, you're talking about top five ways for improving yeah, food yeah. photography. So I did that. Um, and I also wanted to start a blog, um, about how to photograph food because I saw a lot of, uh, food bloggers mm-hmm. on Instagram because uh, Instagram was really kicking off at that time. And uh, especially when the food blogging scene was kicking off and the blogging scene was kicking off. And um, I said, you know what? All these people are taking pictures of food. Maybe they'd like you know, to learn more about food photography. Yeah. And, and so I put that video out and it was horrible. It's a terrible video. Don't watch it. 
please. Um, because my presentation styles, it was just terrible. So I have like an inflection problem. Yeah, uh -huh. so that's one of my biggest struggles as a YouTuber is getting over how I speak. Just, uh, you know, to not be boring the, the viewers to death with, with monotoneness, you know. You can't help it. You're from boring. Yeah, I'm from boring. And just Oregonians talk slow anyways. You know, we, <laughs> we spend like 30 minutes at the kitchen, you know, at the, at the grocery store, you know, just talking to the, the counter, you know. But, <laughs> but um, I, at, at any rate, so I worked, I put out that video and, and I worked uh, creating my course for like two years mm -hmm. and working on my presentation on camera and not being so nervous and trying to get more sure. comfortable and then i started to post more videos after i felt like okay i'm comfortable now and yeah and i can focus on that i also moved back to the states and i built like my garage into a youtube studio so i could do nice. more uh, tutorials online and stuff so perfect and then i've been working on that ever since but i don't i, I would love to post more than i can but I'm I'm kind of pulled in a, a bunch of different directions. I have a family. Mm -hmm. I have a photography career. I have YouTube, you know, Instagram, the blog. It's a lot. Uh, workshops. Now I'm starting workshops and stuff like wow. that. So, trust me, I I know your pain. Yeah, uh, it's a lot of work yeah. trying to manage everything yourself. Um, and it is interesting that you know nowadays so many people do do it themselves. Uh, but you know, maybe have you considered looking at people to help you with video side or like that would be fantastic yeah i mean if anyone <laughs> wants to come to the middle of nowhere in northern la county and work for pennies on the dollar then yeah great yeah because i'm not ma i'm not making much on the youtube thing you know yeah um i'm hoping that yeah once i get the the, the youtube ball rolling and i can start to make more money on it then i would yeah, love totally. an editor or a guy to shoot video uh, that's the way to do it a lot of what i love to take video and i'll probably do all the b-roll but if you know if somebody, somebody could help edit. me edit or shoot the A roll, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean the yeah the A roll and the the editing is yeah. so time consuming, and you really do need. I've I've learned that I just perform better when when somebody else is behind camera, because sometimes I say something more than once, and then they like, hey, you said this like five times in two sentences. Yeah, you know, just things like that that people notice that you don't notice when you're when you're filming. Yeah, and I guess being such a perfectionist, uh, I, it's really hard for me to create YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. I'll spend a day going over one line. You know, I'll look at my watch and go, it's been three hours and I've, I haven't gotten past the, Hey, what's up guys? <laughs> you know, this is Skylar from, you know, yeah. Have you tried scripting your videos? I do. Yeah. They're all, um, and again, or? it's, it's, they're all highly scripted, um, mm -hmm. videos. Do you use a teleprompter? No. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, it wouldn't help me anyways. Cause okay. yeah, no, I'd, I'd go, Oh, I said that wrong. Oh no, I didn't say that right. Oh no. And then I get this like Tourette's thing where you're saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. <laughs> that makes the hours. editing a pain yeah. too. Yeah. So I, I, I just, when I get the take and then I'll edit that into the timeline and mm -hmm. then I'll go and do another take and then I'll edit that into the timeline. Nice. And then I'll shoot my B roll. Um, I, I don't, I don't ever want my YouTube videos to be just me talking behind the table for the entire video i want some element of tutorial uh, yeah. in into my youtube always yeah so i, I don't want to get into this i don't want to have to be uh put into this this box of oh you have to make content just to get content out there just mm -hmm. to keep your your subscriber base you know seeing your stuff on a daily basis yeah uh and so then it puts you into this box of well i have to talk about something let me just sit behind a table and talk to you for five minutes about about nothing about nothing really <laughs> about the, the latest 
camera rumor or something like that. Yeah. It's not what my channel's about. You know, people go to my channel if they want to learn. I hope, you know, this is what I hope it's about. Yeah. You know, that people that go to my channel to learn yeah. uh, a specific technique in food or beverage photography. And, totally. and I want to stretch it out to not all types of photography, but, you know, I'd like to get out there and vlog more and stuff yeah. like that and get out there into the outside of the studio. Well, there's ways to, to still be educational, but give yourself uh, a lot more freedom in terms of the content uh, and you don't have to create as much like I'm even thinking you could do reaction videos where you pull 10 uh, really great photographs that you didn't take and yeah. you react to them and you try to break down how they did it you know I could tell they have a light source here they're using this here this technique here you know you could do a reaction I don't know yeah this is the greatest way to learn photography in my opinion is to do exactly that mm -hmm. um, when I go to build a portfolio uh when i go and i want to improve my portfolio and then i go okay let me build it so i'll go pull 10 photos and i'll um you know reverse engineer from someone how, else yeah from somebody else yeah mm -hmm. from things that inspire things me. that you like yeah, yeah and go how did they make this image you know maybe it's a splash uh or a frozen like all, all the food is frozen in in time you know using mm -hmm. lights and stuff like that so I'll go look at that and go, okay, where's the light coming from? What's the key light? What's their fill light if they have one? Mm -hmm. um, what what kind of camera settings are they using and light settings to to make this effect? Yeah, and then I'll go and try to make my own version of that that style. So there, I'm sure there's plenty of food photographers who are heavily photoshopping and comp, uh, comp uh, what's the word comping things in, yeah, composite, um, yeah. compositing, you yeah. know. So, for example, if, yeah, if you are pouring, you? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, tell me. Not that. heavily, but yeah, there's an element of that in a lot of my food photography. Okay. So, t um, let's talk about that. I mean, like, yeah. if you're if you're pouring something, is that comped in? I mean, yes. how do you... Yeah. So, I have, like... There's a drip um, of a honey thing yeah. coming off. I yeah. Mean, um, I would... I have a, a YouTube video on this, actually. Uh, the Perfect Pour or something like that. Nice. And, yeah, it's compositing. It's just a lot more efficient then Waiting ruining ruining that dish, you know, missing the shot, ruining that dish, making the dish over again, mm -hmm. hoping to do it again, and then ruining it again, <laughs> making it, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah, like say it's you're more efficient. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more efficient just to nail the perfectly styled salad or the perfectly styled stack of waffles or whatever, and then you know get that shot and get it all perfect, perfectly styled, perfectly propped, and then just take another image of the pour. And then comp those on, this, two. on the same on, yeah without moving the again why I'm such a tripod Nazi I guess yeah you know um, yeah you have to use that tripod otherwise if it moves at all you can't comp those two things together and, yeah it doesn't match yeah and and when you're working in a professional space you can't go back and remake it's on a budget and you can't go back and, and do another day because you missed the shot yeah and so you really have to nail it on camera or you know and comp it together mm -hmm. um and it's also a budget saving thing sure um if you're doing things like uh gathering shots with multiple hands coming into the image you can get the food styled perfectly on the table and then you can comp each action of the hand coming in let's say mm -hmm. you have four hands coming into the table you know that's like five images one of the perfect food and one of each of the perfect mm -hmm. uh you know hand placement for is it your hands often it could be, yeah. You could comp your hands in five different times. You could. <laughs> I have a shot where like I switch clothes out four different times and I put my hands. It was just to, to describe what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah, you could do that. And um, uh, other things like splash photography, you're doing a lot of, uh -huh. of compositing in Photoshop. 
uh, bottle photography, you know, you're photographing a bottle and you're going to light it probably with nine different techniques, each one being its own separate image on a layer. And then you're going to be putting that together, oh, wow. you know, so you can cut reflections or you can yeah. have the option to brighten up the labels or, yeah. or something like that. I love some of your, uh, your bottle photography Thanks. with, uh, I'm looking at specifically this one with, uh, four roses. Mm. And I noticed that it's just got it's this kind of nice kind of matte look to it. And you can really get a sense for the texture of the bottle. Um, it's got this kind of foggy, misty, I don't know, like it looks like a, 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 I can feel the textures by looking at the image. Yeah, so that was shot with one light, but I moved the light around the bottle as an example of how you could not, you don't have to have the studio filled with lights to do bottle and product mm. photography. You can do professional product photography with a single light if you comp, if you know how to comp. And that was really what I was talking about there is, yeah, you have to, you should learn how to comp because you can save yourself money on, you don't have to buy a lot of lights. Of course. And, um, and you can move that light around as long as you know what the light is doing to the product. And you can go, okay, well, I placed the light on the right-hand side and this is what it did. And remember that, you know, and then put your light, move it to another location and you can go, oh, well, I don't want those lights to intersect. I want to keep them separately and stuff like that so it's yeah it's, it's a good uh lesson on on uh comping yeah so backdrops props these are all things that you're constantly switching out and experimenting with i assume your garage or yeah. your studio is just filled it's, with yeah this so stuff. The, that's the the funny thing i kind of <laughs> got into food photography because i thought it would be cheaper uh or the to make an image i thought you know every image was was going to be cheaper and it kind of sounds i don't know um it kind of sounds weird to talk and to talk about photography in that way, uh -huh. but um, you know, you want to go take a pretty picture of a landscape. You have to pay for all that money to get there sure. and get back, and you know, all that equipment. But there's this inherent cost in photography, and I think food photography is probably one of the biggest, <laughs> which is kind of the ironic thing. You know, I got into it because I thought I could, you know, make a lot of images and and do my art uh, and still be, you know, reasonably. Um, cheap in the photography buying thing but no food photography is ex extremely expensive to get into you got to have uh, backgrounds you have to have props a collection of your own usually uh -huh. um, you have to have all the gear of course all the photography gear sure. the, the lights the light stands <laughs> maybe I mean, you can only you could use do it on light. the cheap but <laughs> if you want to do it professionally you know you'd ha you have to have a truckload of i usually rent a van to do a shoot mm -hmm. and we'll the van will be filled with light stands and backdrops and, and props. Uh, props and yeah, yeah rent, renting props uh, usually. That's uh, the beauty of LA is you, you can go yeah. to a, a prop rental house or yeah, something. Yeah, there's a great right? one down here. Uh, there's one in Hollywood that is fantastic. It has a studio there that you can shoot on too. Nice. What's and, it called? Uh, the Surface Library. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, they're not paying me. <laughs> <laughs> but you work with them often. But I've worked with them. I've rented from them multiple times. Um, oh. They have a great selection of backgrounds. Um, uh, and they have a huge selection of props. Um, so, I mean, what do you do? Do you just go in a thrift shop and kind of look for trinkets and all sorts of weird little things? I think that's things, the fun or? thing. That's another reason I got into it because I loved all that aspects of food photography. I loved yeah. going around and hunting for props and buying and having an excuse to go and buy things that I wouldn't normally buy. A compass, some yeah, weird like sure. pirate stuff. Yeah, you know, or, you can get really creative with the things and the props that you buy. And it kind of speaks about who you are because you're going to prop kind of what, how you're interested in yeah. you know, things that you're interested in and a style and an aesthetic that you're interested in. So yeah. Um, 
I think that's one of the funnest parts about uh, being a food photographer. You, you get to buy the backgrounds or make the backgrounds. Some of the backgrounds I make, and that's really fun too. Oh, cool. You get out there with your saw and you you sand it and you paint it and you ruin it, and then you you know you do it again and you burn things and uh, you know. And then so, you see the image and you you know that you made that. Yeah, you, you make know? every part of that image. You 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 made the background. You made the cutting board, or you went out and bought the. You found that hunting down that perfect prop that that fits only that image, and then you put it on a shelf and never use it again, and wish you could. But, yeah, <laughs> but it only really fit, you know, fit that story. Yeah. But you know, what's the most expensive prop that you've bought? Oh, um, there's been a lot. Um, I mean, have you spent over a thousand dollars on one no, prop? No, but um, hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars for sure. Yeah, yeah. for tabletops. Um, sure. I bought a cabinet once that was probably about a thousand dollars. It was an old antique cabinet, and I used it in the background. Um, <laughs> just in the <laughs> and it, and I put some props in it. It was like an old nineteenth uh, century mailing, uh, like a mail cabinet. It was really really cool. Oh, it was cool. From, like from India. And you're um, married. Yeah, I'm married. Yeah. yeah. So is your wife like kind of? My wife like uh, all the props yeah. My that wife was gather? a photographer as well. She doesn't. Uh, she used to shoot with me. Um, That's awesome. But now she's more in educational. She's an adjunct professor for a, a few different universities in, in arts and humanities. I'm just so. assuming that your home, like outside of your studio, is probably filled with some leftover props. And yeah, so I got a really awesome kitchen. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that is, I mean, it's not awesome, but it's, it's awesomely filled with a bunch of random stuff yeah. that doesn't fit in the studio and yeah. that we use on a daily basis. Sure. You know? And so th- there's, there's also that aspect where I go, yeah, I could buy this for a photograph and I could use it for myself, you know, in the <laughs> kitchen and have a really cool rolling pin that I would never splurge on, you yeah. know. But um, you're not actually shooting in your kitchen ever or No, no, it, everything's in the studio. I would yeah. love to have a kitchen that I could shoot in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to basically build a house to get what you want. Right? Yeah, you, you I mean you could do it and uh, I've seen I had, I know a bunch of um people in the Instagram and blog space who have a, a kitchen uh, and YouTubers as well who mm-hmm. do recipes. They don't do the photography, but they've built a kitchen for their YouTube or they've built a kitchen for, yeah. uh, and they've built it in their living rooms. You oh, know, cool. and, so the, and stuff the lighting like that. is designed perfectly. The, and the, yeah. and the, the Island with the stove on it and everything, yeah. they've built that specifically, you know, yeah, so they cool. could stand behind it and film themselves that they're cooking and totally. then they have a kitchen, you know, yeah. or they have a house, you know, they do it in a separate studio, sure. you know, so that's the dream, right? That is the dream. Yeah, yeah that's, that's my dream for sure. I would love that. Um, is your garage big enough to do something like that? Or? No, it's not. And I've I've kind of been reluctant to get a studio. It, it's just an expense that I can't justify right now. Sure. I wouldn't actually recommend most people who do food photography to have a studio because the vast majority of your jobs are on location, okay. either at a restaurant or at a fancy hotel or mm-hmm. you're going to the the client's place of business and photographing sure. there you need to be mobile yeah. and have a studio it, it sounds great but you're probably not going to use it as much as you think i'm going to make a brief interruption with my interview with skylar to remind you guys to share this episode with a friend or colleague that you think would enjoy this conversation or if there's another episode in our back catalog that you think somebody would enjoy please do that as well it really means the world to us that you all listen every single week to the golden hour podcast so anyways let's just get back to my interview with skylar we kind of talked touched on this a little bit when we were talking about photographing at the ritz but like um you get hired to go somewhere and and do a shoot and it's on location 
obviously, like you said, the lighting often is terrible. Yeah. Um, you look at the, the kitchen and it's an ugly, uh, medical looking place. Yeah. It uh, looks really good on the outside and on the inside of the kitchen. It looks like, yeah, a medical <laughs> hospital like building. A hospital. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And the people yeah. working there also look like they work at a hospital. They yeah. wear all well, white gloves Crocs. and stuff and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Crocs. So, yeah. yeah exactly. So like scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it's a challenge to go in there and make something look good. So, I mean, how do you, how do you handle that? You just come in with everything. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of, I think one of the reasons why I've found some success in photographing resorts, um, early on is because I was able to offer them kind of the look that they wanted in their location, you know? So I would bring the tabletops and, or I would go around the, the resort and hunt for really cool props like that I could bring to the, the studio, the makeshift studio that I would set up in the corner of their restaurant or in a conference room or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would just take over the conference room and, and I'd turn off all the lighting and I'd use my own lighting. Yeah. Um, or I'd hunt for a window and use natural lighting if I could. That's, um, that's fun for the people who work there who are hiring oh, the you. chefs loved it and yeah. it, it was like a the play day for the chef because they were able to create something that's maybe off menu off script for that day mm-hmm. and and really just it was fun for me um and because i'd get to hang out with them and just you know pick their brain get about them, yeah. yeah about recipes and stuff like that and about cooking you get to and probably reinvigorate their passion for cooking they would get in they, that moment they would find it really fun to you know play with the food photography and just be like oh i don't have to do what i'm supposed to be doing every day you know <laughs> i can do something fun and, and be creative and create something um it's not awesome. to say that they're not creative during their day-to-day lives but it's, you know yeah it's different yeah it's different they get to you know make a new recipe if they wanted to or something mm-hmm. like that and they they get to see their creations in a new light when they see it on on camera or on the computer screen or if i used to print it out and and hand the chef's prints that they can hang in their office or That's something cool. like that and i'd, I'd actually um, I, I worked with one chef, and he was such a great guy. I, w- I would do his resume, so he would send me his resume, and I'd add all the photos wow. onto his resume, so you kind of have a portfolio of his own of the work that I took of That's his awesome. of his shots. And he loved that. He would he was able to you know hand that out to Got people a lot and of stuff. Gigs, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, and I mean he's a really great chef and um, five star chef. But um, it, it was just fun fun working you know a fun working environment and yeah you do you have to hunt around the resort to find all those props mm-hmm. uh that kind of speak to the resort but aren't ugly you know oftentimes <laughs> yeah, sure. their their silverware is not the best you know they try but they're not thinking when they're buying the silverware oh, this is going to be in a photograph you know they're thinking like it needs to look nice but it, also we need to buy we, a thousand of thousand them. of them right yeah. yeah and and sometimes they're working with white plates and that's Oh, tell me about white plates. Yeah, white plates are probably the hardest thing to photograph and make look good. I've never thought about that before, yeah. but as I'm scrolling through your Instagram, There's I see very no few white, white plates. No they're white all plates. if they are white, they're off white with some uh, sort of texture on them. <laughs> yeah, because uh, the the white plate that most you'd see at a, a high class restaurant or something like that, they're they're shiny porcelain plates, mm-hmm. and they're they're reflective, they they're bright, and so you, it takes away from the food mm-hmm. because you want to think, you know. That's a good point. A uh, food photography is just like any other photograph. You want your subject to be the brightest, the most sharp, the biggest thing. And oftentimes a white plate is the antithesis of, of all of that. Even a black plate is really hard to photograph because it's, it's just a lot of one color. 
Um, yeah. And it, it kind of sucks. It, it kind of is like a vacuum for the eyes. You know, the viewer's mm. eyes just get sucked into that so, I mean, that color. You said you rent a van. I mean, do you not have a, a van already? Or uh, now I have a, a Jeep uh, Wrangler that I can fit all of my out? stuff. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what yeah. do you have these special road cases, like Pelican yes. cases? Yeah, I have a, a large Pelican case for all of my lights. I have a Pelican case for my cameras and lenses and mm. But if you're flying somewhere and you got to bring a bunch of tabletops and silverware and yeah, and plates, that's where renting you... comes in the yeah. So I don't bring that um, with me. I I rent that. Okay, because uh, that would be very yeah. expensive to travel with because it's always going to be over fifty pounds. <laughs> it is really expensive to just travel with the basic gear. Yeah, I think I get charged uh, the excess fee on every bag that I have, which wow. is really tough. So it's, it ends up being like an extra $300 yeah. onto a flight. Um, but that's included in the budget usually. Sure. Um, and then when you land, I mean, for some shoots that I do, you'd have a producer. Okay. Uh, and, and the producer would probably go around and hunt for uh, locations and stuff like that. Uh, and then you'd have a food stylist and a prop stylist with the shoot. And the prop stylist's job is to go find all the props, the backgrounds yeah. and stuff. And then the food stylist would come and find the food, and they would go shopping if you needed, you know, yeah. food props. Uh, let's go back to probably the most cliche question you get: Do you get to eat it? No. It, <laughs> also, you probably don't want to eat it. You wouldn't want to eat most of it. People um, are touching it with yeah. unwashed hands. Yeah. Uh, some items. Are there ever times where you are doing some of the tricks that I've seen on videos where you're using products that actually aren't real food? It's plastic or like fake ice or yes. yeah. um, fake cheese or anything like that? Or? Um, well, when I'm when I'm shooting for myself, doing test images in my studio or just shooting for a YouTube video, oftentimes I eat it because I know where it's been and sure. I know how long it's <laughs> set on the table and I know who's touched it and, sure. and who's been sneezing and stuff like that. Um, but on, like, say, a cookbook shoot, sadly, all of the food gets thrown away and there's a lot of food involved in making just one image. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you're taking a picture of a chicken, they'll probably cook 10 chickens and you're going to pick the best one yeah. and then put that in. But the rest gets binned usually wow. because they can't s serve it to anyone. And um, yeah, same. So yeah, there's a lot of food waste, sadly. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things in the industry that, that is, that is uh, not so good. But um, as far as f fake food, so, well, reasons why you wouldn't want to eat a lot of it is because it's been touched by a hundred different people. Sure. A lot of times it's not cooked fully. For example, chicken typically is not cooked fully and fish, so it can maintain its plumpness. Mm. Um, and Such a lie. <laughs> yeah. I want to do a video on all the fake stuff that's uh -huh. in food photography. That's a great idea. Just because I think it would be fun for people to see. You know, like there's the fake ice, but there's also like the motor oil that doesn't uh, saturate pancakes. So a lot of people use motor oil instead yeah. of syrup because it doesn't soak into the pancakes. Um, a lot of people spray uh, like Scotchgard onto pancakes so things won't like seep into it. Uh, kitchen bouquet is a great example of a fake thing. You can make, you know, whiskey. You can make kitchen bouquet look like whiskey, uh -huh. you know, and then you can add a little less water and make it look like coffee. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things that you can do to make uh, food not food, you know, ma make it look fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, I've even heard of people like brushing turkeys with motor oil and stuff like that. Oh my I, don't, I don't do any of that. I try to stay as natural as possible. Um, I don't do any of the motor oil or anything like that. But I will, like, brush things with olive oil so mm -hmm. to give them that sheen, you know, spray things with water, glycerin, uh, 
you know, so a kitchen bouquet sometimes. Interesting. Uh, food coloring, like olive oil, for example. Maybe you have olive oil in the background of your image, a bottle of olive oil, like mm-hmm. a, in a nice fancy prop that you, you rented or something. Instead of pouring olive oil into that, that prop and wasting that olive oil, you can use water and some green and yellow food coloring to make it sure. look kind of like olive oil. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and you just save yourself a bunch of money and you also save olive oil and you don't, you know, you have to waste all that expensive you know, yeah, product. Yeah, of course. So. Because nobody, again, nobody's going to, it's a photo. It's not, yeah, a, yeah. yeah nobody's going to eat it. Yeah. So, and uh, so like if, if I'm looking at the image and I, 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 I feel the things that you're making me feel with the emotion of it, with the, you know, you see the wood, the, it makes it feel like you're in the set. But then if I were to zoom out, what would I see? Would I see the edges of a fake table? I would see it on maybe just a boring white table. Yeah. So uh, you would see, uh, two saw horses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd see, yeah, the edges of the fake table, you'd see a concrete floor. Because uh-huh. uh, you're you, a bunch you of food that's spilled off of the <laughs> table everywhere. You mentioned you're sometimes in just a conference room. Uh, yeah, or you hotel. Yeah, or you'd see um, the conf- You'd see a really boring and some, uh, a producer standing over, just yeah. looking at it with a clipboard. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you'd see that. You'd see all of that. Exactly yeah. that. Um, and that's a whole fun. lot more coffee that's... cups and you know um, yeah. wires going everywhere. And yeah, that's the that's the magic of it. It really is like a, you're a magician uh, and an artist all in one. You're doing a magic trick. <laughs> you're you're the the image is this kind of. I mean, again, it comes back to painting and that's so fascinating that that's how you started and how, in a way, I I would say that that's probably how your mind works. And that's why you have been so drawn to this when you have a human subject, especially in a street, uh, street photography sense, there's almost no control at all. Uh, That's what drew me. That's exactly why I kind of shifted out to outside of travel mm -hmm. and street photography. I love that. I love just the idea of you kind of creating the frame um, and then, you know, finding that special something that happens to make that frame magical. Mm-hmm. But you're not really creating the light. You're not creating the buildings. You're not creating the the lines and stuff like that. All that yeah. is there. You're just finding it and you're kind of organizing it within the frame. And that's really cool. And that's kind of what got me yeah. into photography. But then I, I was like, I always had this feeling of, gosh, I wish I could do this or I can move that or I can yeah. erase that street lamp. And I was very uh, journalistically um, ethical, I guess. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't remove things. Um, and I, I would love to. Or I mean, add birds. Or, or add or, birds yeah. or sunsets <laughs> or anything like that. That that made me cringe, um, be, I guess, because of the uh, the college background that I had. Sure. It was very strict in journalistic ethics. But you add that's a whole now. conversation, <laughs> and then um, and so I said, you know what, I I'm really wanting to to do more with my creativity, and so mm-hmm. that's kind of what got me into this building the frame and you know yeah. and being able to control every aspect and the lighting and you know the lines and the composition and the layering, all that stuff I can control, and and use it as a means to tell a story, and I think that's how food photography should be. Yeah, it should be you know all those things should be used to benefit the mm. the subject whatever it is. So, have you worked with any celebrities before? Cookbooks and things like that. Uh, celebrity cooks, celebrity chefs. Rachel I Ray. almost no. <laughs> I almost did. Uh, I used to when I was living abroad. I, I had a client who is a uh, a magazine. It's called Session uh, Session Couche. I'm, I'm mm. butchering it. It's German or 
or something like that. Okay. And um, they were going to send me to photograph a uh, celebrity chef in India. Mm-hmm. I show up to the airport and <laughs> they're like, uh, I had my flights booked and everything. I show up to the airport and they're like, you can't get on the airplane. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, you don't have a visa. And I'm like, I'm an American. I don't need a visa. Most countries, like 90% of the countries in the world, as an American, you can get a landing visa for like 30 days or or whatever, you know, tourist visa. But India and and a few other countries, you have to apply for the visa in advance. Oh, wow. And just me being stupid, didn't research India. I just thought, oh, we have a great relationship with India. So many (laughs) Americans go to India for and I mean, this is all in my mind, you know. Oh, yeah. we, we go to India, you know, every day for tourism. But I didn't know I had to apply for the visa in advance. And so they're like, no, you can't get on. And I had to call the editor and say, oh, oh I can't gosh. do the shoot because I, I can't. So I almost photographed a celebrity show. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, but I messed it up myself. And it's like, it's like probably one of the biggest photography mistakes you could ever do other than forgetting your battery and your CF card, right? <laughs> it's like one of those two things, like, don't forget your battery and don't forget your CF card. And I, I, yeah. I forgot both kind of. So I forgot the, the, you know, the most essential thing to the shoot. Which never is happened the again though, right? <laughs> no, it never, it never happened again. And I never went to India actually. I never, <laughs> so. But uh, maybe a, another question would be, you know, you've obviously worked, you yourself are an artist in your own right, but the people who are making this food are artists as well. And yeah, uh, I'm sure you've worked with, you mentioned a couple of chefs that you really looked oh, yeah. up to. I mean, what were some of the best, uh, most inspirational chefs that you've you've interacted with in your career? Um, I would I would say that the head chef of the Chetty, or the, the when I was working um, with the Chetty, there was the head chef there, and he was the passion that he has for food was just amazing. He's like a, a painter himself. He looks at the plate, and he just goes, "Let's." Let's do this magic. And every every term that he speaks about as far as styling is all very artistic and painterly. And he's crafting that that dish. And it was it's just an amazing thing to work with mm-hmm. the, those people. Yeah, I mean, in reality, all I'm doing is photographing other people's art. You know, that's all food photography really is. I don't, you know. Yeah, but you're you're creating your own art from that. Yeah, you're creating your own. It's a art collaboration. Of their though. art, yeah. It's a, a true collaboration. It is, which a, is really cool. It is a collaboration, I guess, in in retrospect. But like a musician and other, you know. Yeah. A musician has to have other musicians to make music. Sure. So, unless you're a yeah. solo. Producer. And if you're a sound mixer or something, that's its own art form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and that's I guess. Food photography would be like a sound mixer in yeah. the musician space. Yeah, so um, I think it's more than that. But well, if you're, you're designing the whole frame, yeah, if you're photographing a product and if you're doing an advertisement, everything other than pressing the button is very scripted. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's all pre-produced. Uh, you know, produced. So as far as the frame, as most likely you didn't choose the background or the color or the props that are going to be in it. You didn't choose the the product, obviously. You didn't design that. Mm-hmm. All you're designing is the light, and even then, you, there's a lot of input on the lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really just pushing the button at that res- and you're bringing everything together. I'm not um, diminishing advertisement work, but there's just so many hands in the creation of an advertisement. There's so that much you can't, money involved. Yeah, so. and so much money. You can't really take sole responsibility for that photograph. Sure. Whereas, like maybe a cookbook, you have a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. There's a specific aesthetic that they're going for, but you're you're kind of 
in more in control of of that final mm-hmm. production than an advertisement shot and so you you get to create your own art there mm. but and you're still photographing somebody else's art you know yeah. and that's really cool uh, so I guess there's, I guess, more or less, depending on what genre of food photography mm-hmm. you're doing as far as the art creation goes. But um, I, if you're cooking for yourself, and then you're creating everything in that photograph, and that's, you know, fantastic. Yeah. And if you're photographing with another chef, there's that relationship because you're an artist, he's an artist, or she's mm-hmm. an artist. And you guys have that language that you can speak together and you just yeah. immediately bond, usually. Mm-hmm. And, you know because you just have so much passion for the food. That's got to be a nice yeah. kind of byproduct of what you do is being able to meet these chefs and become, oh, yeah. become friends with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're amazing people. I, lo- I love the culture. And that's another thing I didn't really find in the journalism space or the nature space mm-hmm. is that kind of culture and community around the art. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much culture and community around the food space, you know, yeah. in beverage and especially in beverage. Everyone likes to do cocktails and stuff and, sure. you know, recipes. Um, and with food, there's so many good, it's an endless well of, of yeah. things that you could do. So. I mean, one of my favorite series on Netflix is uh, chef's table, <laughs> which is beautiful. Did you, I mean, there's, there's a, a couple of really good parodies of the chef's table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube. You should watch that. I think that's hilarious. They're shot beautifully yeah. with the voiceover, uh-huh. you know? But they're of like somebody uh, buttering like uh, some bread yeah. or making a waffle or something like that or or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. But with that flowery language and yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, there's some yeah. pretentious aspects of of this genre as well, right? <laughs> for sure, for sure. And I, but I think, um, do you, like, do you wear a suit when you go on a shoot? No, uh, <laughs> no. But if I'm shooting in a, a, uh, resort, then I'll definitely dress appropriately. Yeah, wear sl- uh, slacks and a collared shirt, maybe. Or... Uh, yeah, yeah, or jeans and a collared shirt. And, yeah, yeah. Um, business casual. <laughs> business casual type. Yeah. Um, and if I'm doing a cookbook shoot, I, I would say the same. Yeah. I really, I really respect the client a lot, and I think people should. And I think there's yeah. a cliche about photographers being kind of grungy with mm-hmm. tattoos and long hair, and that's cool if that's the type of photographer you are. Um, but I, I think in the food space, there's it. Well, being a chef is very regimented mm-hmm. and I think photography should be also kind of in that space. You should show up on time. Yeah. You should respect the people in your team. And, um, and that means showing up on time <laughs> and, and doing your, you know, your job to the best of your ability. And, um, also just maintain that air of professionalism communication with the client and you know uh don't get emotional when things go wrong mm. i was on a shoot um just recently and, and one of the people on the team got really emotional about the something happened on on set and they got really emotional and they flipped out and they left the set and stormed off in a tantrum and that's just not very professional you know mm-hmm. so you kind of have to maintain that level of professionalism mm-hmm. and and not be this rock star prima donna you know sure on on a shoot which i i think there's that's always you... that apprehension that photographers are like that <laughs> but it, it rarely is the case you know yeah so. well, that's i mean that's what books you more jobs it, you might yeah. get a gig uh and then you act out or you're late and you might not ever see that again have you had a lot of return clients because i I have and i think that's the biggest thing that i strive for Mm -hmm. is of course good photography but i want them to be really happy and feel comfortable with me and not just with the images it's it's with their entire uh relationship with you from the, the shoot the editorial 
aspect, you know, the editing process. Yeah. And then the, the, the photo itself. Yeah. If you get a callback, I mean, that's probably one of the most flattering things. You know, if, if some, if, if one of your client calls you back and goes, mm-hmm. you know, the experience I had with you was so great, not just the photography, but the experience of the shoot mm-hmm. was so great that I want to work with you again. That's, I mean, you've done your job there. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people who, who want to be doing what you're doing. Um, how can they learn more? And let's talk about your courses. Mm. Um, you've got courses on that you've done. Uh, you, you are a teacher at heart in a way. I mean, it's kind of how you started. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about your courses and, and your, what you're striving to do with, with your education. All right. Well, the courses are, um, the course that I created, the Food Photography Masterclass, was a course that was created to be like as if you were sitting in one of my classes at a university. So it's it's a demonstration and lecture-based course. Um, so you'd, you'd go in and you'd see the demonstration and I would you know, explain it to you. Um, and in there, it's a video-based course. Um, and it kind of walks you through as if you've never uh, touched the camera before. And takes you to all the way to studio lighting and lighting bottles and doing some complex lighting scenarios. Um, and each each lesson, especially in the lighting uh, section, mm-hmm. has been designed so you can learn kind of a platform, mm-hmm. kind of a lighting platform where you can take that technique and that lesson and uh, build upon it. You know, you can apply it, and it's kind of a, a basic almost, but you can apply that that lighting technique and and build upon that in future images that you create. Mm-hmm. But without that kind of basic knowledge, you wouldn't be able to do that. So I, I picked out lighting platforms that or lighting setups that that you could build upon. And um, so there's, it's not like a, here's every setup to known to mankind. It's more like here are the nine or 10 big ones that you should learn as a photographer. And then you can go and add more lights or you can get more creative on your own time and stuff. So, yeah. Um, so that was like the food photography masterclass, but it's a, it's a basic to, I would say intermediate course. So if you've wanting to get into food photography, you, you know, but you've been on your phone the whole time and you just bought a camera, this would be a great course for you because you'd learn like what lenses you should buy. You, you would learn, uh, shutter speed and uh, like manual exposure you would mm-hmm. learn kind of how your digital camera works and and um and you also learn natural lighting and then you use you, you learn studio lighting if you want to dive into the studio lighting section so it's and then you learn post-production too as well photoshop and lightroom kind of in tandem yeah. so like you can do this in lightroom but you can also do this in camera raw you know because they're the same program <laughs> and um of course and then there's like the the Lightroom course, Lightroom for Food Photographers, and that's more about all Lightroom and, and kind of workflow and organizational techniques, mm-hmm. uh, mainly geared towards food bloggers, I guess. Mm-hmm. People who create a massive amount of images. And Well, you mentioned your process. You'll take 200 images. Yeah, for sure. Or let's say you're a food blogger and you have uh, 100 recipes a year, but you want to pick out the, the 10 cheese dip recipes and you have uh, 8 million photographs and how do you find those 10 perfect che- you know so like you know using Lightroom as kind of what it was meant to be used for as an organizational tool mm-hmm. and an editing tool you know mm-hmm. um, but in the master class you, you don't learn the organizational part of Lightroom you just learn the editing part of Lightroom um, and then the advanced food and beverage short course 
is also in the masterclass, mm-hmm. but you can buy it um, on its own. If you already know the basics and you just want to get the lighting, you can buy that, that course on its own. And that, that course is more assuming that you know everything about the camera mm-hmm. and you have some studio lighting or you have flashes. Um, I didn't make a flash-specific course, like a speedlight-specific course, because every th- all of my lighting that I use can be done with strobes or speedlights or constant lights. Mm-hmm. And I don't really want to have a course for all three separate things. What do you choose to use? Do you use strobes or I constant? Use, I use strobes. But um, I'm... It depends on how lazy I am. As a as a video, yeah. As <laughs> if a, I already have my constant lights set up, I I could use those and do the same thing. Unless I'm doing some like freezing the action and using light to freeze the action, um, then constant lights the, are fine. That's the benefit of a strobe. Is it's, it's only, much brighter, right? Well, it you. fires faster too. Okay, sure. Yeah, well, it fires. You know, it fires. Um, you could freeze like water flying in the air uh, with certain strobes. Yeah. But and I bought strobes that could do that. And I think if you're shopping for strobes and you ever think you have this itch in your mind going, maybe at one point I want to throw a glass of water and, and take a picture of the <laughs> you know, the water yeah. in mid flight. Um, you need to look for strobes that can fire fast. Speed lights can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, most speed lights can do it. I think if they fire at one thirty second of a of a power setting, yeah. you can change this power settings on speed lights to yeah. fire fast enough to freeze liquid. As a video so. guy, you know, I'm I'm always working with constant light, obviously. Yeah, so it depends on how, so like, <laughs> if, if I'm, like, um, too lazy to set up the studio strobes and I already have the constant lights set up for w- one of my YouTube videos or something like that, mm-hmm. then I'll just throw, and I don't need to do anything other than light the, the, mm-hmm. the image, then I'll just throw a constant light there. Yeah. They're perfectly fine. Totally. You just, then you're, you're working with shutter speed. Sure. Uh, without, which studio strobes, you're not working with shutter speed, you're just working with aperture and oh, ISO. Oh, I see. Yeah, you, you're locking your shutter speed at um, at one one sixtieth, one two hundredth, whatever the fastest is, the yeah. sync speed of your camera. Gotcha. And then with the ISO, you're rarely going off of ISO one hundred. So really, you're just working with your aperture with with most mm-hmm. food photography. Interesting. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about the, these courses, they want to buy one for themselves. Yeah, go to weetogether.com. Weetogether.com. <laughs> weetogether.com. And then go to courses and then select which course you're interested in. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, also email me if you have questions about it. Email me and I'll answer those questions. And when you buy the course, email me if you have questions because mm-hmm. I'll respond to that too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the so. thing that is so so uh, attractive about what you do to me is is the repeatability of it, is the... The fact that you can, in your garage, just create something. You don't have to wait for the perfect sunset. You don't have to find the perfect Any time of day. Any time of day. Every day. Rain or shine. Rain or shine. Snow. You have to have power. Yeah. You have to have electricity. (laughs) Sure. Usually. (laughs) Uh, But if you're using natural light, then you don't. You know? Well, unless you want to talk about your stove or something like that. But yeah, (laughs) uh, definitely. um, The repeatability. And I think that's the great. Yeah. You don't have to pay models. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you have to buy food, but the, the tomato doesn't mind if you move it to the left or to the right, you know, yeah, exactly. or if you smash it <laughs> or if you throw it away, if you get angry at it or if you get frustrated and that's, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, working with food is much better. Um, but yeah, you don't have to wait for that sunset, but I love, na- I love nature and I love of nature course. photography. I love going hiking and, uh, I love like when I first really got inspired, I started doing time lapses and stuff mm. like that. And I love that whole process of you know, sitting out there in nature mm. for eight hours while your time lapse is going, yes. you know? Yeah. And trying to find the perfect shot of the Milky Way. And like, sure. oh, it's, it's so fun with the, and just soaking up the outdoors, you know? Yeah. 
um, right. and that was really fun. I'd bring I would bring like um, a table, and I'd bring a cocktail shaker, and I'd be making martinis out in nature as my time lapse is going on. Oh, that's great! And I thought you know it was this is the life. It was the life, right? Yeah, it was so much fun, and I did it for like a, a whole winter um, for like six months. Mm. So to kind of finish this up, what's the last kind of thing that you would like to leave to to listeners who are inspired by your work? Um, this is your teaching moment. Um, something, maybe a mistake that you've learned along the way that you is kind of your go-to thing to share. That's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really tough question. Have you made um, any mistakes? Yes, a ton of them. Obviously, uh, check with the country that you're going to. Make yeah, sure you have there's, a, that's uh, one. a visa. <laughs> Pretty much every step I've made a mistake or two. And um, I, don't be afraid to make mistakes because you're going to make a ton of them. And that's fine. Um, learn from them. But uh, I think the biggest mistakes all photographers at any level make is not learn looking at enough work. Mm. They're not visually literate and they need to be visually literate in whatever style they choose to be. They need to go and spend. Yeah. I think the old cliche is like, go ten, take 10,000 photos and then you'll have one good one. Um, uh, but I think you have to look at 10,000 photos and then you'll be literate enough in, in your craft to know what a good photo looks like and then you'll be able to create your own so go and just look at other people's work um go look at a million food magazine you want to be a food photographer go buy every food magazine on the shelf and and thumb through and and deconstruct how they made that image and then go try to make that image yourself and build a portfolio don't just try to make a collection of random images into a portfolio like go out and build one that's very specific and, and is targeted towards somebody you want to work for. You know, you want to work for a magazine, go build that portfolio that, that will get you that job instead of just hoping that they'll like your images, you know? So I think that's probably the, the two biggest things okay. that I made a mistake early on in. And I think I've kind of nailed that, uh, aspect, maybe not nailed it, but I've, you know, definitely refined my portfolio building technique and process and looking at images you got to look at a million images so don't just scroll like dead-eyed um, at a, you know as your mind's blank or watch tv and movies like another great uh, inspiration of mine is to watch uh, movies and deconstruct how they made that that shot yeah you know even if it applies to photography you know how they lit it where's the light coming from mm. it's not just the light in the ceiling it's it's actual light that they they put there and how they do that, how they gel it to make it look like a fluorescent light or make it look like a, a daylight or something like that when it's shot in a, in a studio. When I was in college, we had, the, um, we had a warehouse on the property of the college campus. And inside the warehouse was the apartment building that Aaron Brockovich lived in, in the, in the movie Aaron, you know, Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts. Mm -hmm. And it had these pass-through windows. And you can imagine that they had to make the outside look like daylight so when the light shined through the window it didn't look like a, a giant sound stage it looked yeah. at, you know it looked like an actual apartment building so that really inspired me with the food photography is where's your light coming from you know mm. things like that so Massive look sources <laughs> yeah so look at different you know movie tv uh other people's pictures go buy some magazines and just get visually literate in your craft 
you know, as far as lighting goes and, and composition and, and then stuff go out like that. and do it and then go out and make that portfolio and specifically build that portfolio for whatever client. Is there one lens for you that you, is your go-to? <laughs> There's two, the 50 and a hundred millimeter uh, lens. Macro. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume the macro yeah, obviously the, is very useful for you. Yeah, those are two uh, best lenses for food photography. The fifty. Yeah, and you don't have to buy an expensive one. The nifty fifties are really good. What's your f-stop usually at? Are f four. You... Okay. Or f eight, depending yeah. on if I'm in front of the food, it's f four, and if I'm above the food, it's f eight and above. Is that just because that's the sweet spot of the lens often? Or? Uh, well, f four for the depth of field when you're in front of the food, mm-hmm. and f eight for the you want the depth of field to be narrow enough to yeah. get everything in focus from the table to the top of the food. And you're pretty close to things, so even F4 still gives you quite a bit of bokeh. Oh, yeah, you get some really exp- – well, compression with the 100 millimeter, you get some good – Oh, especially good, with the 100. Yeah, yeah you get course. some good compression and bokeh and a narrow field of focus because it's a macro lens. But I would say food photography is the least photography photography of of – the genre you know well i mean because uh, everything's camera, locked down you know like yeah, there's camera no, and lens is pretty simple yeah the i mean you're locked down in your iso your shutter speed's pretty much locked down the apertures you're gonna find yourself using only two or, or three maybe apertures generally for every photo the creativity comes with the props the lighting the styling yeah the composition might mainly um yeah that yeah, it's it's not like a landscape where you know where you're thinking on the fly about your exposure, and that's really cool, and I, I like that aspect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a food photography, you kind of get all the tech technical out of the way, mm-hmm. and then you're just left with the creativity. Yeah, you're painting. Think. Yeah, it yeah. Comes back to painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Skylar, for coming in. Hey, this is awesome. This is amazing. Uh, if anybody has any questions, they can reach out to you. Yeah, uh, send me an email. Uh, my email address is on my website. Or reach out to me, DM me on Instagram. Uh, drop me a comment on YouTube. I try to answer most of them. I think I have like a, a few months now of, of backlog. But I, <laughs> I at least give a thumbs up or an answer to pretty much every YouTube That's comment. Awesome. If if it's a question, you know, <laughs> so. Well, I learned a lot and uh, brought me a wonderful gift. He bought me, he got me some, uh, some whiskey here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that's coming out that I'm hoping to do is a thing called anti-fogmatic and it's going to be a recipe slash photography show on Instagram, on Instagram TV. So hopefully I'm going to try to do a weekly IGTV um, uh show where where i'll show you how to make a really cool cocktail and then how to photograph a really cool image of that cocktail uh using a different alcohol or a different recipe and then i'll have the photography portion on my uh the blog we together.com and the uh recipe portion on instagram tv and the recipe i'm gonna try to shoot it you know really nice high production value maybe some slow motion and you know all that stuff and so clyde's may is uh kind of not sponsoring but they're giving me some product awesome. to, to show yeah yeah the clyde uh clyde may's whiskey yeah uh, which you gifted me which was amazing. It's good. the it's first really good. gift i've ever received from a oh. guest i thought that's what you did <laughs> you have to bring the guest or the host the, the gift oh that's so nice yeah. so yeah everybody go follow uh skylar at we eat together on instagram and you can uh stay tuned and see all that amazing stuff that cheers that we're gonna hold you yeah. accountable to yeah and <laughs> I, I said it on the podcast specifically so i'm accountable for this now yeah <laughs> Well, uh, thanks again for coming all the way out here, Skylar. Uh, hey, thank you. Great to meet you. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, man. 
Hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Skylar Burt. I know I, for one, really learned a lot about this incredible photography genre and niche that is food and beverage uh, photography and product photography. If you learned something, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at the Polar Pro account. Or if there's a guest that you would love to see on the Golden Hour podcast, tweet them and then add us to that tweet so that we can retweet it and get other people tweeting all over Twitter at underscore Polar Pro. We at Polar Pro would like to thank you guys for listening every single week. And as always, I'm your host, Dave Mays. We'll see you next Tuesday.